if you are enrolled at Harvard and on the side, you can do your little social media experiment and so on, and you realize it works, then by all means, drop the high school, drop, drop, drop Harvard. But also they will always take you back. And even if they, even if the thing doesn't work, then you just finish your, I don't know, bachelor degree in whatever you studied at Harvard. Your life is okay. You will be fine. And the same is true for doctors. People always take you seriously for starters. And then, and then if, if all else fails, then welcome back to the white coat. As a doctor who has navigated quite a lot when it comes to alternative careers, I'd say the key to my success and that of so many other doctors I've mentored and interviewed is the unlearning. So unlearning things that you have been told is the case, which definitely is not. And to address this particular topic, I'm so pleased to introduce to you Dr. Sven Jungerman, who is like my German counterpart, I have to say. He's amazing. So he is the CEO of Halitus, which is a startup of medical devices, which he will talk more about. But we really talk about the points and the misconceptions that a lot of doctors have when it comes to being successful and moving into industry or developing your career, whatever that may look like to you. And for those of you that get towards the end of this episode, we are holding a great giveaway for a book that he's written called Beyond the Bedside. So listen to this episode to find out more. But before you do, don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> As usual, we're at medicfootprints.org forward slash join our mission and you will get the latest tips and career opportunities and insider updates right from me and my team. All right, on to the episode. So let's get real. Our value as doctors has significantly diminished over the last decade. So how can we turn that around by upskilling and creating rewarding and impactful careers on our own terms. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million talented doctors with the best in diverse career opportunities. So, today we are talking with, I like to say another heavyweight when it comes to alternative careers for doctors. I have my global family and Sven is absolutely one of them in Europe and Germany. Uh, and today we are going to talk about what do you need to unlearn hmm. to change careers as a doctor, whether that's diversifying, portfolio, moving out completely, or even change, just changing your mindset and staying in the same system. Right. So you know, we, we've had a lot of experience on this. And, you know, I've talked about this a number of times, particularly now in our Doctors in Industry program. But from a personal perspective, I feel like I've spent the last 10 years trying to unlearn a lot of things that I've, I've learned and I've been told um, as a result of the institution that's trained me. So I'm going to stop there. Um, but um, I'm really, really delighted to introduce Sven Jungerman, who yeah. is the CEO of Halitus. He describes it as a device, <laughs> a device to detect conditions in the breath. Um, so 
it the vision is it will be a cancer companion for diagnostics and for screening and he also describes it as Theranos for the breath so if anyone's <laughs> not heard of Theranos T-H-E-R-A-N-O-S please google it and then come back to me um, my question to him was like who would play him um, in a film version <laughs> And he said me, and if it was a musical version. But anyway, welcome, Sven. Welcome. <laughs> that fantastic introduction. I hope you have enough time to uh, to copy my um, habitus and, and stuff. Yes, I'll, I'll I'll take some time. I I am watching you as we speak. Yes, I'm, well, I'm I am a method it. actor. I need Brilliant. to know all the mannerisms. But anyway, let let's get started <laughs> on the unlearning, which I think is a really great topic. That's actually really close to my heart. But let's first hear a little bit about you. So obviously you, you've done a lot of things in your career beyond traditional clinical medicine thus far. Take me back to what first started you on that journey. Yeah. Um, so I think when I was a medical student, I um, it probably started with, you know how you have your epiphany moments, sort of the things where suddenly mm. you see something differently and for me, it was meeting my friend uh, Andy, who's a uh, pharmaceutical engineer uh, mm -hmm. from Denmark. And we were both studying in Paris. I was doing medicine and he was obviously in his engineering stuff. And at the time, he was working on a new way of creating antitoxins for snake bites and in a really clever way. So he started by figuring out which of the proteins really are the toxins and which ones can I just ignore because there are like more than 100 proteins in the snake bite. And then he moved to um, figuring out sort of what are the epitopes that are relevant that I can target with antibodies. And then he used hamster over ovaries, I think, to um, to do like human analog antibodies, and sort of a, a pretty much a sniper approach to this. And um, the result was then supposed to be something that would not really have the severe side effects and would be cheaper to produce, have a longer shelf life and so on. And at the time, I was looking at him as in my mid-20s, and I thought, wow, if, if you make this happen, you could basically do nothing afterwards, and you would save more lives probably than I ever could, no matter how many mm. weekends I do, how many uh, over hours, or if I retire at 70 or 80, there's just no chance. And and that's when I understood sort of the concept of, of scalability, mm -hmm. um, and that really charmed me into thinking about what are the larger things we can do. It's great to be a doctor, you know, you have the the immediate interaction with patients you see a different part of reality you see the whole diversity of society and so on that that is gratifying but then i asked myself if i really mean it that i want to do something impactful is it enough to just see a couple of patients and i know we need these people but sort of the question is where do you see yourself in this whole grander scheme of things yeah and so why was it important for you to pursue that vision like on a personal level I think so. One is um, generally interest in 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 the large impact. So I think if you if you have only a limited amount of time in life and it's going to be hard anyway, why not do something where it's hard but the return, the social return, and also maybe the personal return is higher um, than than you otherwise could have. Um, turns out also, and I realized that frankly, mostly after I left the clinic, is um, I suddenly found things much more creative in the way mm. we work. I found it much more diverse. So. When I said that, I was once uh, in, a, in a cooking class and there was a medical doctor next to me and I didn't know. And people asked me, why did you, what, what did you feel when you left? And I said, well, you know, I suddenly really understood diversity, uh, what it really means and how cool it can be. And in medicine, everybody 
is more or less socialized in the same way. Even the nurses, we, we hear the same jokes and the same way of structuring thoughts and so on. And then this doctor to my, to my, she was like, excuse me, sir, this is completely not true. The surgeon is an entirely different animal from the psychiatrist. And I said, well, the fact that you say that proves my point, right? Because you're so much in scope on this with your microscope that you're not realizing how narrow your viewpoints are. But now go, go back and, and have a team where there's a Japanese machine learning engineer an Italian graphics designer and a psychologist, and then you as a doctor, and then some business person, and so on, and then try to agree on something uh, around the product decision. Right? This is a completely different type of mm. discussion to have. Mm. I think that's that's a good point to start with when we talk about unlearning certain yeah. things. So oh, yeah. you've illustrated that having quite a narrow focus or viewpoint, especially mm -hmm. if you're looking to expand, change careers, particularly in industry. It may may um how how do you say shoot be shooting yourself in the foot because I we, we always have this debate with myself and my colleagues about you know is it better to become a specialist and like top of your game mm -hmm. before you start exploring other careers or you know could you go in at like medical student level and I am very much literally it's not really about seniority it's it's about you it's about what right. you can articulate yeah. and bring to the table so I mean what's been your experience on that I fully agree I think um if you really want to be excellent in one thing that means you have to end up in the top one or two percent yeah, really, yeah, yeah right and that's yeah, yeah. that's cool and we need these people but in order to get there you have to put in a lot of extra hours and it's it's kind of like eating ice cream right if if it's you know the summer it's warm somebody offers you one one scoop you will love it and your willingness to pay for it is probably pretty high and then maybe the second or third you might still be up for it but if somebody says look i have 12 scoops of ice cube then uh, after a while it, it you're just gonna you're just gonna run and if you think about the time you need to invest so the first hour that you invest in learning x um, it will give you a high return because you learn a lot. But after a while, if you're in the 10,000th hour, 20,000th hour of, of learning yet another detail, you will put in more and more effort for less and less relative yeah. gain to that, right? Mm -hmm. And if you instead say, well, actually, I'm going to learn two things or maybe even three things, and I'm trying to get in the top 20%, then your relative return on the time invested in order to get there is Absolutely. much higher, right? And then yeah. you end up in a situation where you can play, if it's a Venn diagram of two or three circles, you can position yourself at the center of it, and then you still have that uniqueness, which is highly in demand, but the effort of getting there is probably lower, plus you can de-risk it, right? So mm -hmm. I had a patient who was in nuclear energy, and he was one of the Germany's best, and then suddenly Germany decides, okay, let's not do this nuclear stuff anymore. We're going biogas, and he says, look, I'm mid-40s. I'm not going to be able to compete with the solar master students that just um, that just began to um, mm -hmm. um, uh, to, to finish their masters, right? And and so you know it, it's just risky. Yeah, but he has to, clearly had something else that he could potentially, you know, all, all of the skills that he's developed being that nuclear engineer would still be relevant, just not the the topic or the expertise, if you know what I mean. So again, it's about how 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 you position yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not just one dimensional. Um, it's not just about your specialty or your grade. There is there are several other things, and particularly now we're seeing in the market what what hiring managers want, what companies want. Um, some people talk about skills first hiring. LinkedIn are really hot on that. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually, most of the founders I speak to are like, we don't even look at skills. 
we look at how motivated are you? How much do you really buy in to what we're doing? Um, we're not even that interested in like MBAs or technical qualifications anymore. You know, I mean, like I'd love to hear as from mm. your perspective as a CEO or even yeah. from your experience with previous businesses, what do people prioritize? Should doctors be doing more qualifications to get that extra layer of credibility? You talk mm. about that a lot. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, what I often hear from doctors is this constant sense of not being good enough or well-trained enough or there's some certificate lacking that gives you the mm-hmm. official permission to do X, Y, or Z. And and um, and that's okay if, if you're in the beginning of your career. But I know people who are senior at Harvard Medical School and serious doctors and really gifted. And then they, they, they still get messages. Oh, do you think I should do a three-year unpaid PhD on top in this topic that's not really so relevant, but I might learn so many nice methods? And I'm like, bro, look at you. You know, you, <laughs> can, can you please stop? This is the story of the, the marshmallow that if you don't eat it, you get two later on. Yeah, but if you keep doing that, you will never eat a marshmallow in your life. Like at uh-huh. some point, you have to cash in and, and also start to do something where there's something in for you. And and it's great to keep learning. But um, uh-huh. what I'm what I've discovered as an entrepreneur, and so I have I have met my medical degree, then I have a master's in public health from London, an MPP from Oxford, and then a postgraduate diploma from Cambridge, and then some other things, smaller courses, and and I, so I'm a, I'm in that camp, right? Um, but I, at the moment, I learned that in this entrepreneurial world, I need to learn something today and then I have to really understand it. My, today, I have legal topics that I need to know about, corporate structuring, whatever. And if I would now take a course on that, I would probably learn a lot. But I know already that probably by Friday, my biggest topic is going to be detecting the scent of bed bugs. And, and so whatever I lock myself into a longer journey... I will not have the agility to really maximize on, on what I need to do now. So this sort of micro learning has mm. become much, much more important. And I think um, many members of the sort of previous generations of doctors, they still um, were born and raised basically in their medical careers um, on the principle that you need to acquire as much experience and expertise as possible. The problem with that is, and I'm not saying expertise has no place or experience has no place, but the problem is that often if you are very experienced, you're often an expert of the past. And um, nowadays, access to information has become so cheap, fast and easy that um, hoarding information in your brain doesn't have so much competitive value anymore. And what's much more important is the ability to access knowledge um, and, and also to make sense of it and communicate it to others and to interrogate computer systems in an intelligent way, just like you know how to ask patients and distill the right information from your patient and their bodies. Um, and so I think um, this more like this, not, not what you know, but how you deal with what you know, for me, has become really important. I do think skills are very, very relevant, especially technical skills. I see, and I really welcome people who don't have a medical background. I, I love it when they want to help us create a better system. Like you said, before we switched on the the, the podcast, I think I, I fully agree that a lot of the change is going to happen from the outside. But um, at the very least, you need to have enough understanding to be able to interface well with the experts within the different fields, may that be doctors or nurses or 
scientists or whatever, if you don't have the basic understanding to make sense of what they're saying or to ask the relevant questions, um, then it will often be a, some sort of a pipe dream or something that's detached from the actual reality. Mm. And, and there will be a lot of energy and potentially money gone to waste into projects that if you would see it from day one, you would say, okay, guys, this doesn't make so much sense. Why I just, don't want, to, I just want to pause here because you've, you've re made so many fascinating and insightful points that i've just been absorbing like a sponge and will totally reuse but i just wanted to summarize and backtrack so you've mentioned we talked about agility and micro learning we've talked about the ability to access knowledge that isn't in your brain and that because as, as i remember like going into med school when i tr first trained they had negative marking like if you got the answer wrong, then like mm -hmm. the mark would be taken. They don't have that anymore, as far as I know. But I don't know. It's 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 progressed a long way. But even now, people are like, get rid of exams. Like literally, people are relying on Google, Chat mm -hmm. GPT. As you said, it's not about how much you can store in your brain. It's about your ability to access that, interrogate data, interrogate information build relationships, outsource, because you can't possibly do everything. This is another thing, actually, we haven't mentioned in the unlearning. And this is something I've had to unlearn, is that I can't do everything. Yeah. <laughs> and to do anything. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you're someone that's either running a business or even going into joining a team. And I mean, I'm, I'm going back to when I was, a, a, you know, a junior doctor and you know, you'd have your patients and then you'd be like, well, you need to go and get the CT scan. So you'd go and like go down the radiology route and beg for a CT scan in the radiologist's office. And if you were lucky enough to get it, they were like, well, just bring the patient. And I was like, oh no, but the, the porters aren't free. So then you would go and like actually wheel the patient in yourself, even give them the dive you needed to. Do you know what I mean? I'm just using that as an example of like how you literally just do everything yeah. to get things done. But that approach is clearly not sustainable. And so if you're running a business, absolutely not sustainable. If you're going into a team, as you mentioned, the last the, the last point you mentioned is also about interfacing with others, working in a multidisciplinary setting, which we're used to as clinicians. But the difference is you're no longer the senior. You're no, no longer like the final decision maker pathway. You are on a flat, even keel, right? Yeah. So it's about having that understanding that you are not better than anyone. You are collaborators, right? So, I mean, like, yeah, you've made some really interesting points there. What are your thoughts? Um, no, and uh, to build on that, I mean, I had the negative markings too. Um, we, I even had to to draw acetyl CoA, uh, oh, coenzyme yeah, A, on, 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 and I, I didn't know how to do it. I just spelled it out. And you guys like, oh, <laughs> could, could, you, could you zoom in a bit on this? I'm like, no, but I can paint it bigger if you want. He's like, okay, no, that's fine. And, and somehow I passed, but I was like, I can't be, sorry, mm. I can't be asked. You can swear um, on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and and because i did get the point it's like whose life is this ever going to save like can, can you can you highlight that for me once i'm not getting the the connection here and, mm -hmm. and instead i think there were a lot of other things that could have been really useful that we could have learned um, and of course there's always more you can learn and not everything is the school's uh obligation also i get that but um i do think that um it, i had one one teacher he said well medical education is a little bit like um uh like uh like like war fighting right they, they always fight for the last war and and that could be something like 
um, when the next war would be in Antarctica, everybody would be wearing like desert camo or something like that. And and I felt our education was the, the 90s. And even when I started yeah. working, I still had pagers. You know, the things yeah. where they show you a number. Fax machines, yeah. you name it. Um, but yeah, think, thinking of other things on learning. So like the, yeah. the timings of leaving I say leaving in inverted commas because the way I see it you don't really leave it's not and this is another unlearning thing like I find that a lot of doctors think well once I've gone out that's it I can never ever go back into medicine the door is closed mm-hmm. right so I mean what are your thoughts on that and what is the reality I think number number one is there's a shortage and you can always go back to medicine number two is how do you define medicine? Because for me, um, I think we also need to get rid of this this mantra that a doctor is the person that's at the bedside. You know, I think that that's out. And and of course, we need people who work at the bedside. But um, there are so many professions. And historically, that's frankly not that new. You had people working in the lab. You had public health uh, professionals and so on, um, epidemiologists, etc. There are a lot of medical professions that are not directly involved in patient care. And nobody would question that, right? But suddenly, if you work on a digital health solution, or if you are in medical journalism, or um, other decision-making aspects, or whatever, that touch medicine somehow, it often gets questioned. And frankly, uh, yes, your mindset is different. Yes, school did not really prepare you for it. But yes, also, you will do a lot of things that you can only do thanks to your medical education, because otherwise you would not be able to to take decisions on what are the biomarkers we want to measure, what is the outcome, what is the outcome action pairing, what what happens afterwards when we have a prediction and so on. And and these are medical things. And and I think also these are insights that you can, if you decide to go back full time to the bedside, that they will also help you because you will come back with potentially new learnings on how to manage a team, how to handle conflict, how to... um, engage differently with patients right the, the broader your own spectrum of of experience the easier it is to connect and and to find the right la- language um yeah. for people and so on um so i think generally um i mean it depends on country to country i know there are some countries where you have to give away your license in germany it seems like at least until now you're a doctor for as long as you pay your fees to the medical chair <laughs> that, that's all they care about right? As long as you keep paying them. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, in, in, in the UK, um, you, yeah, you, you have to keep up your registration if you choose to, if you want to. Again, lots of doctors do things differently if they're in predominantly in non-clinical or they're not actually practicing. There are different options. You can have a license to practice and you can just like just be on the register. I don't know the details, but um, so you've got, you've got various options there. And so there's no real obligation to continue unless you're someone that just doesn't want to continue with those annual appraisals, mm-hmm. uh, annual appraisals and the revalidation that comes with maintaining your license, which is you know something you should do if you are actually yeah. practicing. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 interesting because a lot of doctors are concerned about what do I do with my license. Um, you know do I need to just tell them now and it's like oh no just keep it on for a bit because I do see lots of doctors who might decide to do some locuming on the side to mm-hmm. finance their their other interests and I mean, this is one of the great things about being a doctor you're easily employable 
like you really are, whether that's it clinical is. or non-clinical. And I have it, having that as a back a background gives you that space to actually take greater risks, saying, right, if this doesn't work out, I can go back to medicine, or I can I can fund my startup or fund my life whilst I'm not being mm-hmm. paid anything for the for the mm-hmm. first six to twelve months of my startup. Like there aren't that many people that can do that comfortably. Right. So it's about leveraging that as an unfair advantage in many ways. So, I mean, I'd love to hear your experience. Uh, Yeah, I fully agree. So there's there's this uh, often unspoken uh, fact about um, about founding, for example, and is that you always think founders are big risk takers, you know, people, they they, they jump off a cliff and then they start building the airplane as they fall. And then somehow it works (laughs) in one out of 10 cases. Um, and the truth is that many of the people, even those, oh, I'm a high school dropout, I well, was at Stanford and suddenly yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah, if you are enrolled at Harvard and on the side you can do your little social media experiment and so on and you realize it works, then by all means, drop the high school, drop, drop, drop Harvard. But also they will always take you back. And even if they, even if the thing doesn't work, then you just finish your I don't know, bachelor degree in whatever you studied at Harvard, your life is okay. You will be fine. And the same is true for doctors. People always take you seriously for starters. Um, and then and then if, if all else fails, then welcome back to the white coat or the, the scrub or whatever. And, and, and that's it. And it's still a career that many people admire, would like to go into, and this is your fallback option. So I think it's okay, right? And And having that kind of self-confidence in that is pretty important and another thing i would like to point out i think and that goes back to the theme of unlearning is and of course generalizations don't always work and so it's a bit unfair but i do have the sense that many doctors um also enjoy the sense of safety and and that is in in various aspects so aspect number one is usually you have job safety for all your life usually you have pretty clearly laid out what your salary will be. You, there's a lot of predictability in it. And also, if you're afraid of death, there's there are few things are better than being at the balcony, uh, experiencing death without having to go through it yourself hundreds of times, getting really acquainted with it, and being also accidentally in the role where um, where you are somebody who can do something about it. And so if there's something that you're afraid of, having this opportunity to face it in this safe space um, can be can be quite meaningful um, for, for managing your own fears. Um, have you have you had to face something like that yourself? Well, my my first career was in the military, so I had I had a I had a, a bit of a, a different perspective on that first. Um, but uh, but but in some sense, yes, right. Um, but I think what um, what uh, what I've been noticing then is when when doctors end up thinking about leaving, then this fear kicks in and this. Um, I have been so cozy in my safe, laid out life. And now there's something that I have uncharted waters and I'm not quite sure. Turns out it's not as dangerous out there as they might think, or it's, it's, it's not as uncomfortable. And even if, if you're unsure about your career path, testing that for half a year, a year or two years, only with the idea of, I want to know what it looks like, how I feel in it, there is no risk. And that you can easily come back, frankly. Absolutely, um, I, I think I think the reality is most of us who went into medicine, like for mo- most of us, it's our, our first degrees, like first entry into the world of work. 
and it's actually quite a unique pathway because it's one of the very 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 few that actually leads to like a job <laughs> an actual genuine job essentially for life and I was really confused where like you know you I went to a school where you're either going to be a lawyer or a doctor, right? There's no other, like most of us. Um, and I just didn't understand people that did kind of like history mm. or philosophy. And I was like, so what do you become? A philosopher? So what do you become? A historian? And then they ended up doing something completely unrelated. And then they developed their careers and their lives. And you could never have guessed where they would have ended up. I just didn't really understand that. So I was like, well, why don't you just study what you're going to do for the rest of your life? And so the reality is we are in this pathway that's been written out for us uh you know the conveyor belt of, of medical careers and that's what we're used to but the reality mm. is most of the world doesn't have that and so this is an opportunity to step out of this this little bubble of medicine yeah. and experience what the rest of the world experiences this is like the norm <laughs> realistically exactly. it's about shaping your own career based on your interests, based on your network, based on your strengths. And in order to succeed, you do need to learn more about who you really are, right? And that is something we just, as doctors, we don't even have time to do because we've been studying for like forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's very little and, and you don't get trained to self-reflect also, right? There's nothing where it's about, oh, discover yourself, reflect, at least we didn't have it. And also, oh, I we, mean, we did have it, but it, was, it wasn't very meaningless. It was like reflect mm. on this experience and you'd write something down. Ah, yeah. It'd be like That's tick it, yeah. or, or cross, but it didn't, it didn't actually mean anything. No. Yeah. 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 We, we had this, oh, there's a thing called Balin groups. And then you talk about it. Oh, yeah. like, okay. Never seen it in real life. Um, and another thing when, when I was just listening to you, uh, it came up um, that most of the people that I studied with, when I asked them, so why did you decide to study medicine? I didn't do a proper statistic on that, but it, it feels like a, a solid majority, especially among the women, was, well, I really like Grace Anatomy. I'm like, seriously? You're basing your career choice on an American TV series? Um, guess what? It's probably not going to be like that. Um, it's not going to be as dramatic. You're not going to get as much sex either. Yeah. You know, because you, yeah. you're working and, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you <tell> that. <laughs> <laughs> And and these uh, ultrasound um, rooms are really uncomfortable and not very romantic. They're not. They're not. Yeah. Really not. But anyway, so I mean, just, just to summarise, we mentioned a few things. So we talked about the things to unlearn is to widen your focus. Uh, don't focus so much on your seniority, mm -hmm. whether you're seen as junior oh, or yeah. too senior. It doesn't matter. Uh, we talked about qualifications and actually how little emphasis there is on that in the real world. Talked about agility and micro learning, um, mm. ability to your ability to access knowledge is becoming increasingly valuable, um, and how you interrogate computer systems, data, and how you deal with what you know. We've talked about interfacing mm. with others, working collaboratively with a team where there is little to no hierarchy. Um, the reality that you can go back to medicine if things don't work out, but I don't know. I've never come across one example where that's been the case, um, that you have the unfair advantage as a doctor. You've got lots of fallback mm. options um, to move away from your sense of safety because actually it doesn't represent what everyone else experiences. And that's where we are now. That's where we are now. <laughs> what, was the what was the last point? Um, well, I think fundamentally what unlearning is all about is um, stepping back from an autom how, how do you pronounce that in English? Automatism? Automatism? Autom can you say it? 
Is that autonomous? Like is it autonomous or automation? No, like an automatic reaction. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah. Say that. I, how I do you say that? How like do you say that in German? Automatismus. Oh, Grey's mm-hmm. Anatomy. We have a word for that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it sounds a bit like vaginismus. Oh, I want to do something else, mm-hmm. something more, whatever. I need to learn mm-hmm. more. And and that can be fallacious. Of course, it's always great to learn something, uh, nothing against it, but it's always equally important, if not more, to pause and think, okay, the things that got me here, they might not get me wherever I want to go now, and maybe even they might hold me back. So I might have learned a certain behavior that is hyper-functional mm-hmm. in the emergency room, uh, which could be I multitask between a lot of things and I switch really fast and I memorize the key facts and I just try to get things out. If I'm suddenly in a team where my job is to plan projects over weeks or maybe months, and all I'm doing is just chucking away my stuff and everybody else is asking, so where are we standing? And you're like, well, I looked at already. And you're like, well, thanks, but I need to know. Why are you not? And I have that often when I work with doctors and other projects and it drives me crazy because you don't get updates and then you ask, uh, you know, you get like really short answers rather than like the whole information. And then you have to dig and there's another follow-up question so that I finally get to the full truth. And 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 that makes sense if you have to work in a high-paced setting and, and there's not too much need to discuss because in the end you can say, look, patient is stitched up. You don't need, you need to care about how I operated it. It's not bleeding anymore, but check that there's no infection. Goodbye. Um, and in other cases, it's much more important to go deeper, to understand the learnings on the way because you're more in an exploratory setting, for example. And, and these are just examples, right? Or this mindset of, as a doctor... I don't have to do business development usually. I just sit there and I wait until somebody comes. I was working in a hospital where management came up and said, you're not seeing enough patients. You need to have more patients. And then the docs were like, so are we going to get baseball bats now? We're going to go on the street and and, and create patients? Or what's your plan? (laughs) Why are we in charge of getting more patients? We're in charge of getting them out. Um, But if you're in a business setting and maybe now I have a book and, and I want people to know about it, I can't just sit there and wait until somebody's like, hey, can I read your book? And I'm like, yes, please go on Amazon. Well, that, that, I mean, that, that actually segues the last few minutes about your book. So what book is it that you're talking about, Sven? Um, Tell us about your book. Tell us about your book. So we, <laughs> uh, together with uh, two uh, very lovely uh, doctors, Anna and, and Johanna, um, both of, uh, well, the one actually stayed in the hospital, but she's doing some stuff on the side, also mostly with me, thankfully. And the other one just recently went back also, so speaking of which, but we, right. we, we, we wrote a book, uh, which originally came out in German last year. And the German title was like Pass Out of the Clinic. And then the English version is called Beyond the Bedside because mm-hmm. we really wanted mm-hmm. to have an alliteration in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about, um, if you are contemplating as a doctor an alternative career path and maybe you're not really sure yet or you're quite sure that you want to leave, but you don't really know how then the idea is that this book will help you think through it and, and guide your food and also, frankly, give you some confidence in in saying it is okay that you think about it. So we even have a whole chapter where we talk about um, why doctors are needed elsewhere too and why you can even have a bigger impact elsewhere um, without wanting to become political about it, without wanting to push everybody out. But mm-hmm. it's more like saying, uh, and you put it so beautifully earlier, I can't really repeat that in the same quality but when when you said people who go through the medical education are putting in a lot of effort usually have quite a lot of talents uh, are very driven 
willing to forego a lot of other pleasures in order to hone um, th their skills. And and normally people have quite a lot of different interests. It's just how we are and different talents. And it seems like if you choose the medical path, people expect you to narrow them down to like the minimum that mm -hmm. fits into that white coat. Yeah. And, and the rest you leave at the door or at yeah. best you just leave it in your past. Yeah. And somehow we're trying to to rekindle that and say, hey, try to understand who you really are, what you want to do, what gets you excited, what gives you energy, and then figure out what's the right place for you is. And it might not be at the bedside. Absolutely. And just my my final point, like from a personal perspective, you know, I went down the surgical career pathway initially. And to be a good surgeon, you're judged by how many publications you have yeah. and how academic you are. And I, I, academia, you know, it was not my strong suit in that way. Obviously I passed my exams, blah, 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 but not like that, not on a research basis. And as someone who came from a very creative background, I felt I had no real value in medicine. No. When I actually come to the realization later on that actually the medical degree is the foundation of it is, is designed by academics so what do you expect whereas like for example entrepreneurialism which I came to quite later on is like oh my god like this is my creative outlet right and there are so many other things within medicine either in clinical practice like we had a conference on the number of smaller medical specialties that people just don't tell you about that do exist and actually tick boxes for a lot of people right. um like how how there is something for everyone in our profession uh whether that's the clinical or the mm. non-clinical um and so it's it's just so important to step back and just start talking to people when i first started medic footprints talking about doing something else was completely taboo and this is the mm. problem because people weren't talking about it openly now because obviously there's a, there's a sea, ch sea shift and there's a change and everyone's like and we've got access to all this information we talked about access that's at the fingertips now and so actually the next question is well everyone's looking at other but the question is how do you do it how do you beyond just applying for a, the next job it's about how do you transition without the pain, mm -hmm. significant pain that does go with it. And that's for another episode. Um, but I think something like this book will, again, we talked about permission earlier. We'll get a lot of people permission, a lot of doctors permission to just go and do it. As one mm -hmm. of my previous coaches said, JFDI, just fucking go and do it. Yes, it's going to be <laughs> risky. Yes, it's going to be lots of uncertainty. Yes, you know, you may fail a lot of times. But that means that you're on the right track, strangely enough. It does. And that's another thing. That's our last point that we didn't talk about, just un to unlearning. Failure is actually a good thing. <laughs> that is the last yes. point. Um, but we've just, we've just run out of time. I wanted to say about your book. Um, we are going to be giving away 10 of these amazing books, a copy, a copy of that, uh, in order to win one of these amazing books. Um, I'm going to do it. Uh, email us team at medicfootprints.org so the first 10 people to email us will get the book simple simple anyway can we add, yeah can go, we add add, quick, go add can we add a challenge to that can we say uh, oh. maybe they can share one thing that they unlearned which was really important for them oh okay yeah. we'll be doing it so email us to tell us one thing that you've unlearned I'd be curious. Yeah. 
I mean, we really should have done a form for this to kind of manage manage the inbox. But that, there you go. I'm sorry, admin team. There you go. You'll get a lot of emails maybe one day, and maybe for as long as people are listening to this episode, which will be a long time. Anyway, thank you so much, Sven, thank for you. joining us. I'm sure that a lot of people will get a lot of value from your book. And what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Um, probably LinkedIn. Uh, so it's Sven Jungman, S-V-E-N-G-U-N-G-M-A-N-N. I'm setting up a new Instagram account. Uh, it's still embarrassing. So if you want to see the embarrassment, uh, it's uh, DR Sven Jungman together. Um, so and that's cool. it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's lovely to meet you finally. I've known about you for a very long time. Likewise. But hey, this book has brought us together. So I'm yeah. sure we could do amazing things. So <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.